Well, now we turn to this morning's scripture reading. As we do, I want to take a moment to explain the title of this this, uh, this week's sermon. So uh, if you look in your bulletin, if you're here in downtown, I think you'll see that this morning's sermon is called Jesus Curly and Bald. Uh, and, and I thought that was a really clever sermon title when I came up with it. And, uh, and then I ended up not explaining it in the sermon. And so I said, oh, I'm going to have to explain it before the sermon or everybody's going to ask me on the way out. So, so all through this sermon series, we have been hearing these stories of moments in scripture when the baton of authority the baton of the spirit, the baton of God's ministry got passed down from generation to generation. Last week we heard a story of the prophet Elijah. Now, one of the things that we know about the prophet Elijah from scripture is that he was famous for his great big thick head of curly hair. All right, so there's curly. Uh, the week before that we heard a story of Moses. Uh, and so that explains that explains Mo. And this week, this morning, from the Gospel of Matthew, we are going to hear a story, a story from the life of Jesus. The story of the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And so collectively speaking, up to this point in the sermon series, we have heard we have heard now about Jesus early and more. There you go. There's the sermon title explained. All right, I invite you now to listen for God's voice as we hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. The story goes like this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some of the hardest moments during our year and a half of online worship were those moments when Saints of the church, members of our Corp Street United Methodist Church family, passed away, and we had to celebrate their life, their ministry, not in this place, but in some other place, in a funeral home, or even more often at, at the graveside. There were people who spent decades worshiping and, and learning and serving here in this place, and they weren't able to take that final step of their journey here in those places, and those this place, and those those were painful moments. Those were really really difficult moments. And among those painful and those difficult moments, one of the hardest came in, in 2020, late in the summer, when Andy Benton passed away. You know, when, we, uh, when we gathered in September of 2020 to celebrate Andy Benton's life and his ministry, we didn't gather here in this place. Instead, we gathered out at the cemetery by the graveside. And it was a beautiful sunny day. And there at the graveside, surrounded by all of these people whose lives had been touched by Andy's ministry and by his integrity, there, there in the, in, the, in the cemetery on that beautiful sunny day, I told, I told what I think is my favorite Andy Benton story. I'm going to tell it again this morning. The story goes like this. Almost 20 years ago, in 2002, one day Andy Bentley burst into the office that he shared with his son Dean. Andy and his son Dean at that time were in business together. And when Andy came into the office, Dean could, could see that something was wrong. Andy looked pale and stricken, and so Dean said, Dad, what's, what's going on? It looks like something terrible has happened. And Andy said, something terrible has happened. And then he explained exactly what had happened. He said, somebody at the church, somebody at Court Street, 
was going through some old records. And they discovered that they didn't have on file a date for my baptism. And so they called me up and they said, Andy, would you happen to know the date that you were baptized? And Andy said, well, no, I don't know the date offhand, but I know who would know it. Let me call my mom. And so Andy called up his mom and, and he said, Mom, I need to know. Can you tell me what was the date when I was baptized? He said, you were never baptized. It just never seemed all that important, and so we, we never got around to it. Well, Andy was stunned. He had all his life, he had assumed that he had been baptized. He had even seen pictures of himself in what he assumed was a baptismal gown. For decades now, he had been telling people that he was baptized. At this point in his life, Andy was the chair of about 17 committees here at the Court Street United Methodist Church. And Andy was a man of such deep integrity that he felt wounded by the sudden knowledge. He felt like a fraud. He felt like he had lied to people. He felt like, like he was a hypocrite. For Andy, this was a real moment of crisis. He said to his son, Dean, said, I don't know what to do. And Dean said, well, Dad, why don't, we, why don't we try calling the pastor? And so that's what Andy did. He called the pastor. Uh, at that time, the pastor here at Court Street was the Reverend Dr. Steve Buck. Andy called up uh, Dr. Buck and he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you right away. It is an emergency. And so uh, Pastor Steve canceled all of his appointments for the afternoon. And they met here at the church, here at the pastor's office. And Andy came in. And Steve also could see that there was something wrong. He said, Andy, what is it? What is the emergency? And so Andy told him the whole story. The whole story. And then Andy said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. He said, I, I feel awful. I feel guilty. I feel like I've been lying to people. I'm not even sure I'm a Christian anymore, Andy said. Of course, Pastor Steve, Dr. Dr. Buck, being a good and compassionate and sensitive pastor, he knew exactly what to do. And so he started talking to Andy about grace. He said, Andy, I have to believe that God's grace is big enough to cover up a mistake that you didn't even know you were making. And he said, I have to believe that God's grace is big enough to embrace you into God's family, even as you are right now, even before you have been baptized. And they talked about grace for a little while. And as they talked about grace, Andy started to calm down and he started to feel a little bit better. And then Dr. Buck said, now I'm going to give you a choice. He said, I'm going to give you two options. He said, it's a little bit out of the ordinary, but I'm willing to baptize you right now, right here in the office. And you can go home and know that you are baptized and all squared away and nobody ever needs to know that, that this happened. We'll just put it in the church records and you can be good to go. Or, Dr. Buck said, or you can be baptized in worship this coming Sunday morning. Which would you like to choose? And he thought about it. He really thought about it. And then finally he said, you know, Pastor, he said, I think I'd like to wait. If it's all the same to you, I'd like to wait until Sunday morning. And then he explained the reason why. And he said, Pastor, we came, my wife Linda and I, we came to the Court Street United Methodist Church because of the grace that we experienced in this place. He said, years ago, the very first Sunday that we came to Court Street for worship, we were in a really painful and difficult place. Linda had just been diagnosed with cancer. She had just started her first round of cancer treatments. And we came to Court Street that Sunday morning looking for some kind of sign that God was with us, looking for some kind of sign that we were not alone in the things that we were experiencing. And he said, worship was fine. Worship was fine that Sunday, but the thing that we will always remember about that Sunday was what happened on Sunday afternoon. Andy and Linda went home on Sunday afternoon, and not long after they got home, there was a knock on the door. And they opened the door, and it was Linda Bentley. And Linda Bentley was standing at their front door with a fresh baked apple pie. And Linda said, I just wanted to drop off this pie as a way of, as a way of thanking you for worshiping with us. Or not Linda, Linda Lesser. 
I got so many Lindas in this story. I knew I was going to mix them up, too. I practiced so hard. Linda Lesser was standing at the door, and she had this pie, and she said, we want, to, we want to welcome you. We want to thank you for worshiping with us at Court Street. I don't need to stick around. I just want to drop off this pie, and I hope that you'll receive it as an expression of God's love and God's grace. Well, they did invite Linda inside, and they spent the afternoon eating the pie and talking to Linda and sharing stories and getting to know each other. By the time Linda left, they were, they were deep and close friends. And Andy said to, to Pastor Mark, he said to Dr. Steve, he said, you know, we were so very grateful for that expression of grace that we received that Sunday. It was that grace that brought us back the next Sunday. It was that grace that made us part of this church family. It's that grace that has brought us back to Court Street over and over and over again. And he said, if I'm going to be baptized, I want to be baptized here in this place where we have received so much grace, surrounded by the people who have shown us, who have shown us that grace. And so the following Sunday morning, in the middle of worship, Dr. Buck stood up front and he said, no, it's not in the bulletin, but we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to deviate from, from the scheduled worship plan this morning. He said, we're going to have a baptism. And then he told the whole story of everything that had happened and how Andy came, came to this point. And Andy came down and he was baptized right, right here, right in this place, right in front of the congregation, in what for Andy was a place of grace. And you can see, you can see why it was so hard in September of 2020 to celebrate Andy's life, to have his funeral anywhere, anywhere other than this place. This was the place that Andy chose. This was Andy's place of grace. This was the place he chose to be baptized. And Jesus also chose the place of his baptism. In this morning's scripture reading, we have a story from the life of Jesus, the story of the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Now, like Andy Bentley, Jesus waited until later in life to be baptized. Tradition tells us that when Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John, he was about 30 years old. And we don't know why Jesus waited to be baptized until he was 30 years old. We don't know why Jesus waited until he was 30 years old to begin his ministry. We don't really know very much about the first 30 years of the life of Jesus. I like to think that Jesus was being raised in a home that was filled with the love of God. I like the picture of Jesus sitting on his mother's knee and, and hearing from her the stories of God's grace poured out on generation after generation, stories about Moses, stories about Elijah, stories of all the saints and prophets who had come before him. And I like to think that, that Jesus was working as a carpenter, and maybe part of the reason that he waited until he was 30 years old to begin his ministry was that he wanted to wait until his younger siblings were old enough to, to work and to support his mother. We don't know. We don't know for certain why Jesus waited until he was 30 years old. All we know is that one day, right around the time Jesus was about 30 years old, he went down to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John. Now John was a prophet, and John had a ministry there at the Jordan River. John, John would preach to the people. He would proclaim to the crowds. He would say, repent, for God's kingdom is near." And when people decided to repent, when people said, I am ready to prepare myself to receive God's kingdom in my life, they would come down to the water and they would wade in the water and John would pour water over them and dunk them in the water and John would say, God has forgiven your sins. Now you are ready to make, to make a fresh start. And one day as John was down there in the water baptizing people, he saw Jesus coming towards him. And John was surprised to see Jesus coming down to the water to be baptized. John knew Jesus. They were cousins. They'd grown up together. John had heard all of these stories about Jesus. He had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who God had sent into this world to save God's people and to heal creation. And John, as far as he knew, he didn't know that Jesus had any sins that actually needed forgiving. And so when he saw Jesus coming down to the water, John protested. 
He said, what are you coming down here for? He said, I should be the one asking you to baptize me. But Jesus said, no, I want to do it this way. It is right that we should do it this way. It is right that we should do it at this moment. It is right that we should do it at this place. Why did Jesus choose that place to be baptized by his cousin John? Why did Jesus go down to the Jordan? Well, the answer is in the stories that we've been hearing every week so far in this series. If you've been with us from the very beginning of this worship series, then you've, you've picked up on a pattern in the stories that we have been telling. The Jordan River keeps showing up over and over again. Two weeks ago, we heard stories about Moses. Moses led God's people out of slavery in the land of Egypt. Moses led God's people through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses led God's people right up to the border, the very edge of the promised land, right up to the banks of the Jordan River. And then there at the Jordan River, Moses passed the baton of leadership onto Joshua. And Joshua led the people through the water. Joshua finished the work that Moses had started. And then last Sunday, we heard a story about the prophet Elijah, maybe the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. The prophet Elijah fed the hungry. The prophet Elijah confronted, confronted false prophets. The prophet Elijah raised the dead. He worked to heal the land at a difficult and painful moment in the life of God's people. And then one day he went down to the Jordan River, and there on the banks of the Jordan River, he handed off the baton of ministry to the prophet Elisha. And Elisha finished the work that Elijah had started. And now here we have Jesus at the banks of the Jordan River, walking down into the water to be baptized by his cousin John. Why has Jesus chosen this place for his baptism? Because this is for Jesus. This is a place of grace. Jesus wants to be baptized in this place because he remembers those stories that he learned growing up and sitting on his mother's knee. He remembers the stories of the saints and the prophets who came before him. He remembers the stories of Moses and Elijah and the grace that has been passed down from generation to generation. And Jesus wants to be baptized in this place as a way of saying, I am baptized to complete what Moses started. I'm going to set not just God's people free, but I'm going to set all peoples free. I want to be baptized in this place as a way of saying to the world, I'm going to finish the work that Elijah started. I'm going to heal not just this land. I'm going to heal every land. I'm going to heal all creation. I am going to be baptized in this place so people will know that I am here to finish the work that my cousin John started. I am going to bring the kingdom that John proclaimed. So Jesus goes down into the water. And John pours the water over his head, and God the Father from heaven proclaims, This is my Son, my beloved. Listen. Listen to him. Jesus chooses to get baptized in that place because it is the place that for him is connected with the stories of grace. One of the most important things that we do as God's people, one of the most important things we do as God's family, the church, is to tell the stories of grace, to create in a cold and painful and cruel world a place of grace here in the heart of downtown we tell the stories of grace in our own lives. We tell the stories of those moments when grace came to us in the form of a hot apple pie and a knock on the door. We tell the stories of grace as it was poured out in the lives of the saints who came before us. We tell the stories of grace as we find them in the pages of Scripture. We tell the stories of grace to children. We tell the stories of grace to each other. We tell the stories of grace to strangers. We tell the stories of grace in worship and over coffee. And as we tell the stories of grace over and over and over again, that grace fills our hearts. That grace makes us alive. That grace begins to shape us into the people God created us to be. We set people free like Moses. We heal the land like Elijah. We pour out forgiveness like John the baptizer. And most of all, most of all, we become like Jesus so all the world can be made well. Let's pray.
Now pour out your grace upon us today. Fill our hearts with your grace. Fill our lives with your grace. Fill our mouths in every conversation with your grace. Now give us the courage to tell the stories of grace. Give us curiosity that we might learn the stories of grace. Now make us people of grace that this might be a place of grace. In Jesus we pray. Amen.